everyone. Welcome to Beyond Sunday. We're really glad that you could join us. With me is Pastor Steve Ingold and Pastor Trisha Madsen. Welcome. Hello. Glad you guys can join us. Our topic for this episode is contentment uh, as a follow-up to Steve's sermon that he gave this this last weekend on the back half of Philippians chapter 4. So great job, Steve. Um, I guess I'll start off with you. As you were prepping for um, giving this message in Philippians 4 and focusing in on contentment, what, what did you learn? Like, what did you get out of the text that applied to you specifically that maybe was a new thought for you or something that you needed to grow in in regards to contentment? Yeah, I think uh, so much of, of what I was teaching, what I was saying is just, I mean, anytime we teach a message, it's what God's kind of preaching to us throughout the weeks ahead. And so... Um, even the resentment, greed, comparison stuff is stuff that between me and my wife, it's stuff we're processing, um, staying away from. And we're realizing so much like, it's not like a simple thing that I can just go, no, we're not going to do that today. But how much Christ has to work in and through us to make that happen. And, and then um, it's also taught me like a little bit more on how to engage with Amanda and and some of her struggles, like I mentioned, I think in the sermon, it's she runs a little more on the on the um, anxious side when it comes to to difficult things, and so it's hard to uh, and sometimes I don't know necessarily how to interact with her in that. But so much of what Paul was writing here was um, kind of teaching me how to engage with her and uh, how to help her process and how I can process in light of it because. I'm not always super helpful when she's in those uh, seasons. So, um, so yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot that goes into this whole idea of contentment. And so I think the biggest thing was not that it's some simple um, thing. It's nuance. It's complex. It's, it's a journey. And, uh, and that was one thing I had a chance to talk to Walter Henson, who wrote a commentary on Philippians. Um, My mentor is good friends with him and, and I got a phone call with him. He lives in Chicago and we were talking about Philippians four. And he said, I think the thing that people all often do is they make um, contentment a one-time experience. And he's like, it's not a static approach. It's, it's learned behavior. And he said that to me like 12 times and it was really, really helpful for him to, uh, to process that with me. So that's cool. Trisha, what about you um, as you listened to the message and you thought about kind of your experience with contentment and Philippians 4, like what were the kind of things that were top of mind for you in terms of what you were feeling and thinking in response to that message? Yeah, um, I was talking with Kevin last night and I was telling him that I was kind of struggling to prepare to come and talk with you guys about this today because Philippians 4 is actually one of those books in my Bible where like I'll jot things down and I've had this Bible for about 12 years and in the margin are all kinds of questions. It's mm-hmm. like, one's a prayer. Oh God, please take away my anxiety. Cause it starts out with don't be anxious about anything. And then it moves into this thing about contentment. And it says like, that sounds amazing. Also impossible, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm reading my notes and it was a good indication of over the years where I've been at with this scripture. And for me, maybe right now, having moved into a more of a healthy place, but as someone who probably will always consider them someone who struggles with a mental health issue with struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression. Um, I just, this scripture is confusing for me and it mm-hmm. feels like 
maybe I've been either misunderstanding it in the past or um, fight that misunderstanding even still now, or maybe I was taught wrongly that this is a command. Like you have to do this. You have to be content right now. You have to not be anxious right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was telling Kevin, like even at my worst, I think I go, oh, it's a sin. This is a sin to be anxious. Just like all the commands that God has given. Um, Anytime I'm anxious, it's a sin. Um, so then I was saying, well, then if it's, if anxiety is always a sin, then my clinical diagnosis for those couple of years with panic attacks and anxiety, was I just a sinner the whole time and not close to God? And it was my fault and it was because of my brokenness. And I think it's, it like plays into the stigmatization of a mental health issue in a way. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like unraveling for him. What have I learned about this? And one of the things that I've had to learn about this is sort of the misnomer that contentment could be synonymous with a happiness. And if contentment equals happiness, then when I'm sad or when I'm pensive or when I'm anxious, then contentment feels impossible um, and peace feels impossible. Um, So the way that I'm looking at it right now is if there's this spectrum of happy to sad, to say it really like plainly, maybe contentment could enclose all of it. Maybe it's a, a foundation, um, an understanding, a truth. It's like on Christ, the solid rock I stand that can actually handle and contain that full spectrum of like human emotions. Yeah, and that's good. if that's true, then that means when I'm anxious, I can still know the things that I know are true and feel my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's kind of where my head's at right now. So, so much of what you just said, Trish, I'm curious. Um, and I totally agree with you. Like the, the stigma that is anxiety or depression or mental health is one that the church has not helped heal for a lot of people. And, and hopefully we're on a trajectory that looks different than that now. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, I think that's part of what was so interesting to me when I got to dive into this passage a little bit is when Paul talks about, um, the mystery of contentment and, and like he's being so intentional. He says we read secret, but it's like his, his audience would have been like, Oh my gosh, that's like set aside for the philosophers and the people that really understand life. And I think I'm one, I'm curious um, in that process that you've gone through to wrestle with through all that, how much of um, like when we talk about how God transcends, even some of those things you're wrestling with, what is that? conversation look like with God in those moments? What is, what has helped you through that process? I don't if, if I'm making sense, I don't know if, um, yeah. if there's something you can give to folks, it's like, this is what I've leaned into to kind of avoid falling into that stigma or thought that my anxiety or my depression is the same. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, hmm. I think maybe trying to learn it's not really learning how to pray as much as it's praying so much and through so many different kinds of things that you realize God doesn't care. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> when you are having panic attack or you are grieving or whatever, you know, depth you're feeling of human emotion and you go to God and you're mad or you go to God and you're like praying the same prayer again and again. Can you please take this? Please take this away. And you're also trying. It's not like, you've just given up. There are those moments where I've just given up, but in moments when I'm trying and I still can't feel right, I still can't feel 
content. I still can't feel happy or whatever that thing that I need is. When I go to God and I say, and I talk to him and I remember that he's close still, that, that helps me. It's not, I don't know. It's like, maybe it's like with parenting where your kid is going through something hard and they come to you and you're like, I actually, I can't give you a quick <laughs> on this. Yeah. But what I can do is be right here with you. Like, I can't just make you stop having night terrors. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. I wish I could do it. I wish there was a way for me to just, but this is where your mind is at. This is where you're develop developmentally where you're at. This is something you've got to get through, but I can give you this, this, and this. And mm -hmm. I think where contentment comes into play is there are things that God has promised us and there are things that God has not promised us. And when I don't remember and I mix up those promises, like if I start to think, God has promised me I will be happy always. <laughs> yeah. That will let me down every time, which is why For he sure. has not promised me that. Yeah. He has promised me an abundant life, which means I think he wants good things for me. Mm -hmm. But does that mean I'm immune from feeling the, the human emotions and going through all of the same things that everyone, including Jesus, went through? Of course not. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what are those things he has promised me? One of the ones for me is he will always be with me. Mm -hmm. like he contentment is knowing that I truly am never going to be alone and there actually is not a state of mind that would make me unlovable for him or unreachable for him um he's not afraid of my crazy moments like he's just not he's always yeah. there and when you when you start to come out of it a little bit I feel like the next time you head into it you trust it just a little bit more because you're like oh you didn't fail me that time maybe you're mm -hmm. not gonna fail me this time Mm -hmm. Does the, just in light of us going into Holy Week this week, does the um, Garden of Gethsemane prayer resonate with you in those moments where it's like, I mean, we know, you just made me think about this when you said Jesus experienced this emotion. It's like, we know he was so anxious that he's sweating drops of blood. Like, does that prayer resonate with you in those moments? And is that like an easy prayer to pray? Or is it like one you have to wrestle through, like the not my will, but your will be done? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it, I don't think for me it's an easy prayer to pray. I also think sometimes I'm a little bit emotionally distant from the prayer that I'm praying, and it's mm -hmm. like it's a little bit of a the the healthy side of what a faith tradition could be. Yeah. I think there are a lot of like negatives to what traditions can do for people, and it can put you, it can make you stop thinking or whatever. But there's mm -hmm. also that really healthy side that when I actually remind myself of the scriptures that I know, of the stories that I personally have experienced, of the people in my life whose stories I know that those traditions, those things kind of going through the motions in the middle of it, it actually does help me. Mm. Um, especially as a worship leader. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's really hard sometimes to get up onto the stage on a weekend when I'm going through something really hard, mm -hmm. but those words that I actually believe are true when I sing them, it becomes more and more true for me as I sing them. I'm reminding mm -hmm. it. It's like, remind your soul to remind your soul to bless God, bless yeah. the Lord. Oh, my soul. Like I'm going to do that work right now. I'm just going to remind myself, you know, that's so good. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's a great thought. I, I'm the more we talk and the more I've been thinking about it this week, the more, you know, contentment's like this deeper level root thing than the surface level feelings of a particular day and it yeah. can like I love what you said about it can contain all the different range of feelings all within the concept of contentment mm -hmm. because sorrow like 
this side of Christ's return, like sorrow never goes away. So mm-hmm. how do you reconcile the constant existence of sorrow in our lives and in the world with this, like, I've learned the secret of always being content. Like, how do you reconcile those two things? And content, I mean, contentment has to be something deeper than our emotions that we experience from day to day, or even from moment to moment within a day. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I love about what you said is I was the person who was advancing the stigma without even really knowing it because Mm -hmm. I had a lot of pride around feeling like I was superior at contentment. Like I, my brother in my um, wedding at my, um, he gave like the toast. And one of the things he praised me on is he's like, Chris is always content, but it wasn't a real, it wasn't like, it was a false contentment because as I look back on it now, um, yeah, I exhibited behavior of contentment because I'm so, my personality is so steady and even keel. Like there's not. What? Yeah, seriously. Can you believe it? <laughs> and so that, that was confused for contentment of like, oh, he's like, he must be content. And, and it wasn't. And actually I was a master relationally distancing myself from anyone who could like disrupt my contentment because of like, for me, what causes the most like discontentment is is it's not greed it's not um comparison it's it's like expectations around relationship and it not going well that really start to like Mm -hmm. get my anxiety higher and give me feelings of being less content but if i distance myself and i'm not vulnerable which i was able to do like when i was younger really well to where nothing could affect me Hmm. but then I wasn't loving anyone. So like I was doing nothing to obey the commands of Christ, but yeah, I was able to like remove myself in a way that gave off the feeling of being contentment, but it wasn't true. Right. So you just brought up something that I think is so interesting and I'm comparing it with what Trisha said earlier too. Like there's, I think within that range of emotions that Trisha's talking about, there's certain things that are sinful that, that steal the opportunity to be initiated in the mystery of contentment. But then there's things that what like Trisha are saying that aren't sinful. Like, Hey, I'm, I mean, the Bible says do not fear so many times because people have that natural emotion. Like that's, it's not like, don't do this. It's, Hey, I know you're here. Let's try and figure out how to, how to process this. But then there's things like greed comparison or um, pride, like you brought up Chris or, or all these other things that we can lean into. That's like that, that actually is sinful and that's stealing your joy. So I think, Mm. I think that's important for us to draw the line between there's, there's certain things that are sinful that will prevent you from entering into this process or maybe make you step, take a step back within this process of contentment. Mm -hmm. But then there's things that are just like natural human emotion that this contentment teaches you how to engage and process through those things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just thought about that when you were talking. With like a deeper understanding that I'm fine. Right. Like, there's to going back to the promises of God, the, the contentment stems out of, I mean, it's Christ working in us, but it's, for me, it's going back to the reality of, okay, Christ, Jesus is in charge of everything. He's already been victorious. He's got like, we're in, we're in passion week, right? This is like the ultimate week to reflect on these things of his victory mm-hmm. and ultimately what he's secured for each and every one of us. And how, like, how much time am I sitting, like just sitting with that truth and letting it kind of take over my other thoughts and my other expectations. I mean, for me, 
expectations get me in trouble a lot because like how I've set up my expectations is going to dictate how I process through the different things that come my way throughout the day. And even my level of contentedness um, is largely tied to what expectations I have for a particular day or a particular thing or a particular relationship. And generally when my expectations are out of alignment with God, I get very discontent because everything gets out of alignment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard for me to like figure out, okay, what, what aligns my expectations with what God's promises are and what I can count on and what I'm called to. Um, and then I set my mind and heart up in a way to whatever comes my way, whatever emotions, like Paul says, I'm, I'm good. Like I can, I can, I can do it mm-hmm. through Christ. Weird what you're bringing up is kind of, it reminds me of what Paul writes about when he's talking to the Philippians about their gift, because I think if, if his contentment was based on their, his expectation of their meeting right. of his needs, then it would have a contentment would have been, would not have been possible because at a certain point people will let you down. B uh, their whole relationship would have been based on that. And we talked a little bit about that of of how that's when a friendship breaks down and i think that's what's so interesting is as we interact with anything people things relate uh what was the other thing you said certain situations whatever like there is a triangular relationship within within those things to say hey god's working and moving within this and that's so like paul is so careful to say that um partially because of like cultural context that that like you didn't want to go overboard with saying thank you to people then because then it was like i'm in debt to you if i do that um but he's being very clear to bring god into the whole situation and i think mm-hmm. that relates um pretty significantly with what you just said chris mm-hmm. yeah yeah when i expect the boys to behave a certain way or my wife to be a certain way or my employees to deliver certain things or my boss to not hold me to those same expectations like all of these expectations like there's no way, but when I expect God to do something cool today, mm. like it's such a completely different mindset, like for where that places my heart for the day. And, um, and I usually don't do that. Like I usually, I usually fail at that. Um, so this was a good, this was a good message for me to kind of get back to, okay. Like what is my mindset at the beginning of the day is my mindset. Like God's going to do something cool today. Like he promises he's with me. He promises he's at work. He's called me to something significant. So that's my expectation. Mm-hmm. Trisha, I know you in this, well, maybe steal a little thunder from the next series, but I know you talked to me a little bit about the Psalm that's really been resonating with you in light of what Chris just said, like seeking God's face always. Um, mm-hmm. Can you explain that a little bit to folks? Yeah, there's uh, I think it's Psalm 105 and it's David and he's writing, he says, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Um, and it first shows up in first Chronicles when he's set up the ark of God and he's teaching the worship leaders how to sing. And he says, sing this song. And he says, sing it over people and then teach it to the people. And then he brings it back in the Psalms. And I mean, I've loved that scripture for a long time and I'm not really that person who has like a bunch of them on hand, but that one sticks with me. Um, but the seek his presence continually thing has been important for me in something like contentment because it has that element of time like how often mm-hmm. but it's also like in what way yeah. have you have you sought him in the middle of your joy have you sought him in the middle of your pain 
Like you could look at the flip side of this. There are so many times where I only seek him out when I'm in pain, mm -hmm. but he actually wants all of it. He wants you, he wants to be with you and he doesn't need to be reminded that we're here and, and like he knows it, he's always waiting. Yeah. We're the ones that forget and need right. to be reminded. Oh my gosh, I was not actually made just for this. I was made for Jesus. Like I was, I was made for heaven. Um, mm -hmm. And so even in our discontentment, one of the things that feels like a challenge to me, but in a, in a good way is when I feel discontent, what part of the heart of God am I probably missing out on? Because mm -hmm. ultimately like contentment mm -hmm. is, is heaven is peace, harmony, everyone together with Jesus, right. like full love, fully loved and fully with God and forgiven all of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that we're really capable of full on contentment until we're there, but can the discontentment be this marker to show us, Oh, I was made for something so much more. And what is it? Mm -hmm. And point me right back to who he is. Like when somebody, like when the people who I love who have died, like my hope is in the fact I'm going to see them again. That actually does matter. It doesn't make it, it doesn't make it not sad though. Yeah. And it doesn't take it away. But yeah, no there is still this underlying solid hope, even if sometimes it feels like small, mm. you know, yeah. it's there always. Yeah, for sure. There's so much good stuff in here. Like I love this topic and um, Philippians chapter four, for me, it's just, it's one of my favorites and it's challenging, um, but it's, there's just so much here. So I'm, I'm really thankful that we were able to spend time in the book of Philippians and we're going to wrap up the book of Philippians this weekend, Easter weekend. Uh, we're actually going to go back to Philippians chapter two, uh, where Paul talks about um, the resurrection and it's going to be awesome. So thank you guys for joining and uh, appreciate the time that you put into this and Steve, the time you put into your message. And I will look forward to talking to you all next week after Easter. Talk to you later. Love you. Love you guys.